So hello, welcome again to Challenge Worship Night, fall 2020. It's a weird fall, but we are all just trying to make the most of it. So my name is David, and I, like many of you, I'm really longing for the time when we get to meet together again in person. And you know, whether you know Jesus personally or not, I want to connect with you and with our community of people who want to encourage each other and, and grow together, okay? And then in the meantime, this live stream situation is our substitute for that. And so I encourage you to maximize that opportunity by engaging tonight through the music and through the chat even, and then through the connection card, which will be uh, made available to you later. And then you can also plug in with us on Thursday and Friday this week for the different other online stuff that we have going on. We really want you to just engage with this community in spite of all the barriers between us. And so we're going through the book of Ephesians. It's a letter to people who are Ephesians in the Bible. And this week, we're talking about a particular part, which is chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. You could cue that up on your, uh, your phone or your Bible right now if you wanted to. And so our small groups on Thursday are going to read through and discuss this passage, but I just want to take some time right now to provide some insight that will hopefully encourage you and actively just draw you closer to Jesus. So there's going to be four parts to this with four observations about salvation that we see in this passage that I was encountering. And so part one, I'm going to start here with uh, verses one through three. So I'm going to read those. You can read along with me if you'd like. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So that description, uh, this sort of unsavory description, this is our default as human beings. This applies to all of mankind, which is you and I. We are not just flawed. We are not just misunderstood, right? But we are, by nature, children of wrath. And as a result, we are spiritually dead. And this letter was, it was written to a church, a collection of followers of Jesus. So for those in Christ, this is a past tense picture. Like it says, you were dead in your trespasses. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this description still applies to you. It is present tense. And this is the hopelessness that we all need to discover within us as we reckon with our own sin. Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's in Jeremiah 17.9. And so our heart, your heart can deceive you into thinking that you can do it on your own. But the Bible clearly teaches, I'm here to plead with you, but the Bible clearly teaches that if we believe in the lie that we are sufficient, we will remain spiritually dead. So my first observation about salvation from this first three verses is that the need for salvation 
is our spiritual deadness. We have a need for salvation because of our spiritual deadness, our death, our state of death and decay. And so part two, this is going to go up, okay? (laughs) Part two, this is going to be verses four through seven of the passage. So you can read with me again. But God, but God, okay? There was all these negative descriptors, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's, there's a lot to unpack in that sentence. It's just one sentence. And uh, it's, a, it's a much more optimistic picture of, of life. But uh, I, I can't really cover all of this stuff right now that's going on here. But notice, but notice, God's, that God's purpose, purposeful response to our deadness is new life in Christ. Is new life in Christ, which we, in which we are elevated above our previous lowly state, right? It says we're raised up. We've been elevated out of the muck and mire in which we are stuck in apart from Christ. And so, two, the hope of salvation is new life in Christ. First, our need for salvation is that we're spiritually dead, but the hope of salvation is new life in Christ. Part three, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, verses 8 through 9, it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. So we see here, we read here, the cause of salvation is God's grace. We get to experience, we get to see new life take form in us as a result of, because of God's grace, which takes root even in the midst of the spiritual deadness that we find ourselves in, we can't escape from without him. And then it says there, by grace you have been saved. The work then is already done. The debt is already paid. You must simply accept it and commit yourself to Jesus as Lord. And so, and then it also says it's not a result of works so that no one may boast. So the goal here is that God receives all the glory from this transaction. If you or I were in any way responsible for our own salvation, we could take some credit for it. But God alone, God alone does this work in your heart to draw you to him so that he alone is glorified as a result. Part four, all right? Verse 10, just verse 10 now. It says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so finally, the result of salvation is good works. All right, that's our progression here. Our need for salvation was that we were spiritually dead. And if you're apart from Christ right now, you are spiritually dead. 
but the hope of salvation that we can achieve, that you can achieve, not by your own strength, is new life in Christ. And then the cause of salvation is God's grace. And then finally, the result of salvation is good works, which bubble out from our life, from our heart, as we are filled with his spirit, with his grace that we do not deserve or earn for ourselves. In my study Bible, had this to say kind of next to these verses. It says that salvation is not based on works, but the good works Christians do, the followers of Christ do, are the result and consequence of God's new creation work. God's new creation work, right? In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this is a different letter in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, get that, in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So if you're, and then I want to pivot here a little bit. If you are a follower of Jesus, I think it's easy to fall into a mindset that you can do good stuff on your own. You know, it's easy to disregard our own dependence upon God. Especially as you go through your life longer, you can sort of begin to rely on your own measure of success that you've seen. And maybe even some good things that you've, you think you've contributed, right? But you need to let your former spiritual darkness and deadness remind you that working apart from Christ is futile. Once again, all of our good works are as a result of that grace that we need to seek every day. And so, and additionally, verse 10 says this, that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we should walk in them, that we should walk in them. So a life of following Jesus is not a one-time event. It is an ongoing process of walking with him every day. So we need to cast off our self-sufficiency and pursue fellowship with God and dependence on God through prayer and the Bible. And that's something I have to remind myself of plenty of times as well. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope this passage has helped you grasp this contrast we see between spiritual death and new life in Christ. This, this low, dark, dead state that we are in by default by our own human nature, which is rebellious, and how we can be raised to new life into the light and to, and to be raised up into that. So once again, this new life is available to you, and I encourage you to take it. So ask God to come into your life, to resurrect you, so that by his power alone, he can make you a new creation. His power, which raised Jesus from the dead, is available to you to raise you to new life in him. There's going to be a connection card linked, if it's not there already, where you can indicate a next step or takeaway from God's word or what was said tonight. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for what you are doing, what we know and believe that you are doing in our hearts as a result of your word, as a result of your spirit, which convicts. And so, God, I pray that there is lasting evidence of your power in our, in our lives, 
as a result of what we've heard. I pray that we would be responsive to the truth of your word tonight and that we can encourage each other. And I pray that those we're, we're scattered around in Chico, around California, or wherever, God, I pray that we would grow as a community in spite of the barriers that keep us apart. God, we know that this is possible in you. We pray this in your name, Father. Amen.